0: guys, and welcome back to the biblical woman podcast. I'm Kat and I'm Nicole today. We're going to be talking about a very important topic, one that is close to my heart personally, but it's also one that our main ministry was founded on. And that is the topic of loss and suffering and specifically God's sovereignty in those events. And I know Nicole and I opened up this season by talking about God's sovereignty. We hit five different points, but loss and suffering wasn't one of them. We wanted to dedicate an episode specifically to this topic because I think it is so important. It's just such a big component, I think, of the Christian life. We brought on a special guest to talk about this with us, to share her story, share her testimony. Her name is Kristen Siebold. We met through a mutual friend over at the Think Institute. And she shared her story with me. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, wow. And just seeing God's love and forgiveness through her, just the hope that she has in him. And it was so inspirational. And she is going to be tackling this topic with us today. So, She's a stay-at-home mom, she is married, she has four kids. We are so excited to welcome Kristen Siebold to the show. Hello,
1: thank you for having me. The only other thing is I do homeschool as well. Being a mom's already basically a full-time job, but then that's an additional (laughs) thing. So that's been an adventure. We have our good and our bad days, but um, I guess I also just feel blessed. I feel blessed that God opened the door for me to be able to homeschool. So I appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming on
0: and talking with us. I know for our listeners, this is going to be not so much a fun topic, but it is going to be a very encouraging episode and I hope that it connects with you and empowers you through whatever situation you are going through right now. Kristen, would you be willing to share a little bit about your testimony with us and your story too? I mean, you have such an amazing testimony and story about this topic. And would you be willing to share those with us? And actually just start
1: with kind of my upbringing. Yeah, I was raised in a Christian home to parents that still love each other at the age of 70. I have three siblings, all who by God's grace still love the Lord and have married Christian men and women. So just to have that legacy already of all of us raising our children to know Jesus and to know that we're hopefully continuing to leave that legacy for generations. So I feel incredibly blessed to be able to say that that was my upbringing I honestly didn't know how blessed I was until I grew up and started to just hear other people's lives and families and just all the brokenness that exists. And I will say growing up that way, I never could have imagined what God was going to do with my life. I kind of assumed it would just be this safe, just kind of the way I wanted it to go. Get married when I was young, have kids and, you know, have this Perfect life. God wanted to teach me a lot, and so He used a whole lot of circumstances leading up to where I am now to teach me what it means to understand what His Word says—not just read it, but dive in and allow it to be just part of who I am. Um, so I will say that my my circumstances are what brought me to this place. So, yeah, I end up meeting somebody when I was about twenty six. And I thought he was the one, but unfortunately found out that he actually had cheated on me while we were engaged and we called off the wedding. You know, I really believed that this was the one, you know, just to be real with you. I, you know, I, I had saved myself and I always expected to save myself for marriage, but I had given myself to him. And so there was definitely this piece of me that didn't know how to let go. Yeah. even though it was pretty obvious that this was not the right person for me. And God was sending so many warnings that I continued to ignore. All that said, about the time when I felt like it was really clear, oh my goodness, this, this just isn't the right person for me. That's when I found out I was pregnant. And I just felt blindsided, just so confused. Like, what is God doing? I really felt like he was saying, not this person. But ironically, it was because of this pregnancy. And it was because I had to think of this child. That's when I decided I'm not settling this. I can't settle for this. I want something that's best for me and best for my child. And so by God's grace, I ended up completely calling things off during my pregnancy, which of course was very hard because I didn't know what the best thing was to do so here I now have this child I gave birth on May 29 of 2008 he was born we named him Ethan Ryder and I can tell you that he was truly the gift that I just I never deserved but God gave him to me. I just really feel like he entrusted his life to me and honestly from the very beginning, I knew that God was speaking to my heart, that Ethan was his first and foremost. I didn't really know why that was so important, but of course I would come to realize later why I had to understand that truth, that Ethan is God's first and foremost. I, of course, had to begin trusting God with his life when Trampus ended up marrying this other woman. He got her pregnant and they did get married. She was also a mom of uh, three other children you know, things got pretty complicated. And at this point, I had to kind of figure out how to work visitation with him and this stepmom. And unfortunately, kind of from the beginning, I didn't get the best sense from her. Her name's Stacy. I just, it was really hard to drop off Ethan. He was always upset. And obviously it was really hard for him because we started when he was like one learning about prayer for sure at this point, learning about trusting God and just trying to leave all these things in his hands. When Ethan was about one and a half, that's when God sent a really amazing, godly man into my life. My now husband, Jesse, we had actually met on like a Christian dating website. I just could tell from the very beginning, like, wow, this is truly the person that God has for me. Uh, So it was really amazing to see how God's timing was so perfect. He knew that I was gonna need Jesse by my side with like the things that were yet to come. We were starting to notice things like bruising on Ethan when he would come back from his visitations. So we were concerned for sure about his safety. Jesse and I were able to get a hold of a lawyer just because we we wanted to be ready if something was to happen and just know that we could contact someone if there were further issues. So unfortunately. It was when we had gotten back from our our honeymoon. So that was November, 2010. We had come back from that to pick him up from his dad's and found bruising on his face and neck. There was no explanation. They didn't tell me what had happened. I mean, I was asking questions and unfortunately there was no answer. So I just said, well, I'm taking him to the ER because I want to know what happened. I want to know what's wrong with him. And you know, of course his dad kept saying, don't do that. He was so upset. And I'm like, I I have to. So I did. I took him, Jesse and I took him to the ER. They did a CT scan, um, found that he had something called a hematoma. Um, So a severe bruise was on the back of his head and that was causing his blood to pool. So that's why like his face just looked a little bit disformed. The doctor also had told us by at this time that in his opinion, uh, this was not a normal child fall. And the nurses took it upon themselves to call Child Protective Services um, to come take a look at him and to ask us questions. So it was when like uh, there was an investigation. So this lasted for about three months. Uh, it was really hard, kind of that waiting, but yet I can look back and I'm so thankful for those three months that we had him and he didn't have to go to his dad's. And we were keeping him safe and just filling him up with all the love that we could possibly fill him up with. Unfortunately, then that came up that he just had to go back to visitation. The the evidence was something called just unsubstantiated. So there's just no proof of how these injuries occurred. And so sadly, you know, this is just an example of, you know, the brokenness of our system and he had to continue with his visitation. So it was actually in June of 2011. Uh, I remember we had to drop Ethan off to spend Father's Day weekend with his dad. Uh, He was also supposed to spend that entire week with him because at this point, now that Ethan had turned three, um, the custody and visitation laws say that um, he's supposed to spend like two weeks with his dad. So, So anyway, this was supposed to be one of those weeks with his dad. And I remember just my heart was so heavy when we had to drop him off. Um, I can vividly remember um, holding him tightly and just trying to reassure him when he was crying because I told him all the time, of course, how much I love him, but I would always remind him how much God loved him and that God loved him even more than me. And that day was honestly really excruciating for me to, to have to just walk away, and leave, feeling so afraid for him. We dropped him off on a Friday, and um, that Sunday, which was Father's Day, was when Jesse and I were actually heading back from uh, Wisconsin. We had been visiting his dad in Wisconsin. Well, I got this call from Stacy, so that's the stepmom. She was explaining to me, like, really quickly, um, she was talking fast and It just seemed very matter of fact, she just said that they were taking Ethan to the hospital because he stopped breathing. And I just, I don't even know, I can't remember what was going through my mind. I don't know what I was thinking. I felt really confused and obviously like super worried and so scared all at the same time. Um, I just, I didn't even know what to say or how, like what to ask her, but Um, It was a very brief conversation. I told Jesse, we just started to pray. Um, I remember having this really sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. um, Because at this point, I knew whatever caused this. And at this point, whatever was about to happen, this was completely out of my control. Um, So we just prayed. Unfortunately, this was a five-hour ride. We were in Wisconsin. We had to head to South Bend, uh, Indiana. So for five hours, it was just like this unbearable waiting. So we finally got to the hospital and spoke with a nurse. She, um, was talking with us and she did say that we would have to speak with a detective to be interviewed, uh, before we could go back and see him. So now my fear is heightening and my questions as well. I was just like, what in the world, what happened? I just want to see my son. So finally, after being asked all kinds of questions about, um, how he looked and his health and all of that, uh, we did finally go back and see him. And I just remember looking at this little three-year-old on this uh, really big table and just completely still, there's all these monitors. I knew his heart was beating cause I could hear it through the monitor, but like, otherwise there was no movement. He was hooked up to all these tubes and I just lost it just remember crying, and I fell down on my knees, and I just, I just asked Jesus, please, can you please save him? Can you please help him? Um, The next uh, few days were really dark. I hardly got any sleep. I just remember just trying so hard to understand what is going on, and Is this really how I'm going to lose him? Am I really going to lose my son this way? Um, It's really a lot of it's a blur uh, at this point, but I do remember a lot of those details clearly still. But uh, we did find out from the doctor that Ethan had suffered a severe blow to his head that caused a skull fracture. So at this point, he was honestly brain dead because... um, from the time he stopped breathing until the time they finally got him help. Um, Just, it had been so long that no oxygen had been getting to his brain. Um, And the doctor was trying to reassure us that, you know, if I was to take him off of life support, if that was the decision we made, that uh, he was already truly brain dead. I remember just, I sat by his bedside. I prayed. I would sing to him. I read God's word to him, and of course I just cried. I cried and cried till honestly I had no more tears. I just remember we talked. We talked and prayed, and by that third day, um, God really instilled in us this sense of peace that we should just take Ethan off of life support. Um, At this point, it was pretty obvious that he just wasn't there. He wasn't part of that body, and we just had to let him go. So on Tuesday um, was June 21st, 2011. We uh, just made sure that anyone who was near could come see him, say goodbye, give him kisses for the last time. And they just started to take off the tubes and disconnected him from all the machines. And they put him in my arms So I could hold him as he was taking his final breaths. I just remember looking at him and that face, that beautiful face. And just saying, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus, Ethan. By God's grace, his heart stopped beating after 30 minutes. And I knew he was released from pain. He was able to leave this, this sinful, broken world. And he was being welcomed into the arms of Jesus. (laughs) So that is, that's my story of loss. And um, there's definitely a lot more to it, which.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I know that takes so much courage and strength.
2: Thank you so much for being willing to share your story. I can't even.
0: I think we should talk about why Christians go through loss and suffering and why events like this happen to us as believers. Something that I personally learned through losing my daughter Erin was that God uses these trials and these sufferings to refine us. I look at Romans 5, 3 through 5 and I just want to read that for everybody really quick. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Suffering is a tool that God absolutely uses to refine us as Christians. We should pray that when we encounter suffering and loss in those moments, we're not going to be thankful when it's there, but looking back, we can be thankful for God's love and the fact that he never once abandons us being thankful for those events. It's extremely like counterintuitive. Like I know, and no one, including myself, like no one wants to go through it. But suffering and loss, they bring us into these dark valleys where we grieve, we, we, we're fearful, we're angry, we have anxiety, we're lonely. Paul reminds us in Romans 5 that God will give us peace as we go through these valleys and he will never leave us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Suffering is a tool that God can use to just grow us in himself and become more Christ-like that's just something that I personally learned was that it can be used to refine us as believers.
2: Yeah. That is something that we would never choose. That is not how we would design it. The fact that there is suffering and hurt in this world, it is so, so, so hard, of course. And it's, but it's important to remember that God is sovereign over that. He Allows it for a purpose, and as you just said so well, that part of that purpose is to refine us. That is a tremendous truth, but man, it is a hard truth. Yeah, yeah,
1: I, I completely agree. Um, I think, well, I know the Bible's clear, it says you will suffer. <laughs> I mean, if you're a believer, you will, you know, if you're truly trusting in Jesus the way that you're supposed to. Life isn't going to be easy, but man, when it comes to the suffering in the midst of loss and grief, like for me, that was, where else can I go besides pointing myself to eternity? We have to suffer in this world so we can realize the glory and the beauty and the majesty of what's yet to come. You know, just looking at this broken world in comparison with what God has for us. I just feel like we couldn't truly appreciate it if we hadn't been through some of these dark times in our lives. And then like you were saying, just how near God is so near. I've never felt him as closely as I felt him in those moments when I was just beside myself. He was my only source of everything. So he becomes your source of, of truly the, like the breath that you breathe.
2: Freeness is His tool to bring that to be that work in our hearts and in our lives. And part of the reason why he tells us in James to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds.
0: Yeah. And going back to what you said, Kristen, of us being able to look at these awful experiences that we have in the, in this sinful world and comparing them to what one day awaits us and just the glory and the goodness of the Lord and experiencing that for eternity. Another reason that I think we go through loss and we go through suffering is it brings God glory. I know that for a lot of people that can be uh, a point that you get stuck on. So I do want to offer some Bible verses that point to that, Probably the biggest one that people know is Romans eight twenty eight, talking about God working everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Second Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And it says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. And for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I think your story is amazing. And it just, there's so much hope that we can have as mothers who have lost children looking for that final day when we can be reunited with our lord and reunited with our children and just how much hope we can have in the unseen things that paul writes are absolutely eternal and god uses these situations to bring him to bring himself glory
2: and i always think the the middle part of that verse is just amazing where it says for this light momentary affliction I don't think that's meant to undermine the heaviness that we feel or Mm -hmm. to minimize our pain. But when it is viewed in the light of eternity and that weight of glory, what it is a light and momentary affliction in the scheme of eternity. And Mm -hmm. I would look at that verse, you know, Paul wrote that Paul who had been beaten and imprisoned and shipwrecked and all these horrible things. And he's calling that a light momentary affliction, you know, that seems crazy to us, Mm -hmm. but when you are looking at eternity and the glory of God and the glory that awaits us that we'll experience with him in that, yeah, that makes our present a little bit more bearable, I would
1: say. Yeah. Amen. I've been amazed too, just to see how God uses this part of my life, you know, this testimony and this story of loss anytime this comes up with strangers I mean neighbors just anyone God always opens this door for me to say but I know I'm gonna see him again and to have this assurance like I have complete assurance that I know where he is I know where I'm going and that I get to see him again I just think who can deny my experience and the things that the way god saw me through that entire process and all of that suffering nobody can deny my personal experience and i feel like it's such an amazing open door to just tell people the good news that you can truly say after all of that god is good i believe it with all my heart that he is good and he has a plan you know for some people they just think you're crazy but other people it's like wow like i'm gonna have to think about that you know We can only hope that as we plant those seeds, that God does something with it. I feel like
0: I need to give a big amen to that because it is so counterintuitive Mm -hmm. to look at our situations and our past trials and, and loss and just still love God for those events. And you're right, it gives an amazing door to share the gospel with people. So I think it's amazing that you use your testimony to do that with people. And I don't know if you've ever heard this saying, but something that I encountered when I lost Aaron, and I know people said it as an encouragement, they were trying their best. Have you heard the saying that God will never give you more than you can handle?
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) Do you think that this is true? Yeah, that was a hard one for me to hear too. And I feel like through my experience too, I've been able to tell people just don't use that phrase because it's actually not true. (laughs) It's just not true because we can only go through these things through his strength alone. So yes, can I handle it with his help? Yes. Can I get through it when he's by my side? Yes. But that phrase is just so misleading as though it's not that Bad, you'll be fine. (laughs) It's just not true. So it it
2: um, completely discounts everything we just said about the purpose of suffering or part of the purpose. Like, yes, that is part of the reason why is so that we can become more reliant on Him. You know, Mm -hmm. essentially, when it's saying God will never give you more than you can handle, it's meant to be like an encouragement or a positive thing about God. But really, it's really what that's saying is that we don't need God, we can handle it ourselves, which is incredibly untrue.
0: I know from what I went through, like I still have scars that are not going to heal, fully heal on this side of eternity, but God used them to draw me closer to himself, especially, you know, during that event. I just, I always found that statement. Well, I know people said it in a, a positive way, trying to be encouraging, trying to be comforting, I just, I never found that statement helpful, but speaking of hope and encouragement, what Bible verses, you know, when you were going through all of this really just either drew
1: you closer to God. For sure. A a life verse for me is Proverbs three, five through six. The one that says, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Um, That's the NLT. That one was something I just had to keep reminding myself that I can trust him, because it's so easy to start to doubt. (laughs) And then I also really love from Revelation, Revelation 21, four, when it tells us he will wipe every tear from our eyes, there will be no more death or sorrow, or crying or pain. And all these things will be gone forever.
2: Amen. I love that verse as well. I know for
0: me, a verse that I always found super encouraging was Psalms 23, 4. And I, you know, I was a good Christian. I memorized uh, Psalm 23 at one point in my life. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really connect with it until our loss that's when it just, it really spoke to me in a new way was realizing that in those dark valleys that God never abandons us. He never forces us to walk through the trial alone. He is right there with us. For me, I know many times it felt like he just carried me because I couldn't Mm. do it.
1: Yeah. Amen.
0: With all of that being said, what are some, truths or important lessons that you learned through your journey?
1: For sure. It was just remembering that God, God is good. Even when really bad things happen in our lives, he comforts us in our sorrow, uh, which then allows us to use that experience to comfort other people. Again, uh, the hope of heaven. I just, I clung to that like nothing else. And um, I think the biggest thing because of the events that took place before Ethan died uh, was learning to forgive. I've never been so aware of what Jesus did on the cross until I had to forgive the very person who killed my son. Like, I can't even explain how much that opened up my eyes to what he did when I could see him on that cross and he could see Stacy and he could say, I love you and I'm doing this for you. I just, it helped me to just understand what he did in a whole different light and why he tells us to love our enemies. And again, only because he, he fills us with that love and he allows us to forgive because of the forgiveness that he gives and because of the love that he gives because there's no way I could do it without him. So my eyes have been opened in, in ways I couldn't have even fathomed before to what Jesus's sacrifice is and what that means.
2: What was that process like for you, Kristen? That is everything you just said is I'm just in awe of everything you just said. And like, how did God work in you to be able to forgive? What was that process like?
1: That was, um, to be honest, I feel like forgiveness, this is where I've understood also the scripture where he says to forgive 70 times seven, because you, you can't just say, I forgive you. And then the pain of what happened disappears. That pain is here with me forever. Cause I will miss my son for the rest of my life. As you guys both know, those birthdays come and my child's not turning 12, like he was supposed to be this last May Christmas comes and that child's not in your life. And there's just constant reminders of that person that you loved so much and they're not there anymore. And so that's where forgiveness, it's a process and it's an ongoing process and it's a letting go again, letting go again, letting go again. And I will say too, like I still can't believe (laughs) I still cannot believe it was the day after Ethan died and my husband said, I think God wants us to pray for Stacy," mm-hmm. And I just did not want to at all. I didn't even want to say her name. So he started to pray. I said, well, if you want to do that, you pray because I don't want to. And so he did. He started to pray and to my absolute amazement, as my husband prayed for her, God just started to tear down all these walls and he showed me he helped me see Stacy through his eyes and the brokenness in her life that brought her to that place where she would do something so awful it was just amazing to again allow God to help me see her the way he sees her and not just see her for what she did. So that was the beginning of forgiveness. And as I said, it's continued to be a process. But even God asked us, we really felt called to visit her in prison. Um, And so my husband and I did go and see her. We've written letters to her. She's written to me. Um, I've emailed to her. She's emailed back. So there's actually communication still with her. And again, I, I don't say that to be like, look at me, I'm such a good person, but rather just look what God can do. He told me to, I listened, I was obedient, and he is helping me to not hold this grudge over her, but rather to show her his love.
0: And that is, wow. that's
2: amazing. I have to ask, what was Stacy's response to your initiation of that communication and offering a forgiveness to her?
1: I'll be honest, I still don't know that she fully comprehends why I can do that. It's interesting because she says she grew up in church, I think the Catholic church. And so she talks about like when she's written me letters, she does talk about going to the services and praying. And I think she wants to know God, but I just feel like there's still this brokenness in her that she can't really understand it. I get the sense, I guess, in the way that she responds to things that something still hasn't really broken through. But that's where, again, I just, I just feel like I need to continue within my own whatever I can handle emotionally. There was a time when I told her I just had to stop talking to her because it was too hard for a time. There's been some open doors to talk to her. And I kind of just try to follow where God's leading me there and say what I feel he wants me to say. She's just very broken. And I'm not sure what it's going to take to, Open her eyes, but I will just keep praying that God will do that for her.
0: Absolutely.
1: For someone who
0: is going through a loss right now, what
1: encouragement would you offer them? Number one is never stop praying, to be sure that you're surrounded by people who can point you to the Lord, to not be alone. A big mistake when someone is grieving is to feel like, well, I'll just work through this by myself. Um, And I feel God gave us community for a reason and we need to be able to express our feelings. I feel as though it's so important to cry all the tears you need to cry, be honest with yourself and be honest with the people you love. Be patient with people. I think that's a big thing when you're grieving differently, especially if there's someone else in your life, then you're both grieving that same person. We don't all grieve the same. And it's very important to be patient with others who maybe you think you're doing it wrong because we all grieve differently and we all have to work through it in our own way. I think also a big thing that helped me and my husband was we went to something called Grief Share. That was just a really helpful community for us at just the right time to to try to process everything. I think when you're in the middle of grief, there's so much that you don't even understand half of the emotions that you're experiencing. And it's good to have a place where you can realize, oh, I think they all understand and we can understand each other. And it's a safe place to just say, this is how I feel. This is what I'm thinking. And to realize I'm not alone and other people are experiencing this with me. For me, that was a big step in the right direction for working through it and finding healing it was a community where I could do that.
2: I think that's such a good point. It applies to any suffering situation that you're going through, whether mm. that's a loss of a loved one, or maybe, you know, if it, maybe it's a chronic pain issue or mm. Anything else like that, that is a different form of suffering, you know, to connect with people who have been through that or are going through that, because I Mm -hmm. think there's so much strength and value in just knowing that you're not alone in it and the thoughts and feelings that you have about it. Other people have had as well. And yes, that is tremendously powerful. How has this loss, because he, it was a loss for him too, of course, Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a very good question because we were kind of amazed, to be honest, at how we worked through this together because we had only been married eight months when Ethan died. Wow! So here we are honeymooners, right? And like, mm-hmm. as soon as we get from back from our honeymoon, we're taking our child to the ER. So our marriage didn't really start off on a really high note. Things were tough, like right at the beginning, but I will say that because of those really rough waters. And then of course, leading up to Ethan, then dying, Jesse and I were so strengthened spiritually together. And I will say, I'm incredibly blessed to have a husband who prays. Like he's always been that way. He makes sure we pray before bed every night. Sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like praying. And I'm like, I'm complaining that my husband wants to pray with me. Like, that's ridiculous. So I, he's a unique, unique man. And I'm so thankful that he's unique in that way, which is just that he's always pointed me to Jesus. He has always gotten on his knees and encouraged me to do that with him. I can't even express how much walking through that just brought us closer because we were so both completely dependent on the Lord together. And I just, I think if you try to walk through that by yourself, it's just so damaging. So um, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that God used that to bring us even closer and to strengthen our spiritual connection.
2: Amen. That's awesome.
0: As we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience encouragement, final thoughts, just whatever uh, the
1: Lord has laid on your heart. Perhaps I can leave you with scripture. Cause I feel like God always says things better than we do. This was a scripture that I had shared a while back when I had shared my testimony another time, but it's from Romans. Very good book. Uh, mm-hmm. Romans 15, 13, which says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. And that is such a powerful verse. We typically close out our episodes with a Bible verse and I had one picked out, but I like yours. And I think that's (laughs) the verse that we need to close with today. If you are someone who is going through a loss or is going through a trial, please know that you can reach out to us here at the Biblical Woman Podcast. We are more than happy to pray with you or to offer any form of encouragement that we can. With all that being said, stay tuned for our upcoming episodes and have a wonderful morning, day or evening whenever you are listening to this episode. Thanks, guys.